this will just be good. See how panicked he is. Waiting for Geordie and Wok at Hawaii. Trav's phoning. Wok, we're on, we're on this thing, bro. Okay, we're setting it up now. We're almost finished. Okay, I'm sitting here. We're setting it up now. You have your computer. You can go on your computer. And I'm just going to bring out my cell phone. All right. Is it a mission to set up, Trav? No, bro. You just click the link and it sends you to the meeting. Okay, then how do I send him the link? Must I just send him the link on his phone? Yeah, through the just through the internet, eh? WhatsApp, email, whatever however you want to send it. <laughs> on Instagram. Alright, this is definitely the most interesting start to a lockdown podcast as yet. As you've seen, we've got Travis Logie in the house, live from California, and we're waiting on Wok, Warwick Wright, and uh Geordie Smith. Trav, while we're waiting for them, might as well get into uh a few things, because you probably were anticipating that the most asked question coming your way as the WSL commissioner is kind of like, when do you think we will see competitive surfing again? Yeah, I guess the most educated answer is I have no idea. Um, you know, the news changes every every two or three hours. There's new science, new facts contradicting the last one. So, I mean... It's it's not for the lack of hard work. We're on, we're on calls all day. Oh wow! <laughs> oh, he's on. We got to walk. We got to walk. Well, I'm getting my earphones. Hey, sick background walk. <laughs> I get to come to the car to get my earphones. Jordy, I sent the link to Jordy. Okay. Hello. Waki, turn your phone sideways for me, please. Okay, I'm just walking to the house quickly. Are you guys are in the same house using different. Yeah, but I don't, I don't, computer. We don't want to be breathing on each other. Using the same device. Uh, I guess so. Dude, the new father <laughs> is being so health conscious. It's amazing. No, it's not, it's not me. It's my chick. She's gnarly. <laughs> uh, hold on. All right. Well, Travel, we're going to have to get back to that because it, it was a good stream. But uh, I'm sure these two also. Wow, we're getting a good tour of Geordie's Hawaiian front yard here, though. This is pretty good. It's a little wild. It's a little wild today. I'm surfing a bit. Wowzers. Hello. Okay. It's a We're trying to figure out. Lyndall's got to. Lyndall's got to bounce. She might. Her visa's probably come up, and they may have to go to England, possibly. To She's England. Like British. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I sent you that link. I think you just. Email text. No, on your WhatsApp. You just go on your phone. You don't have to go on your computer. You go on your phone. Tell you what. You know we are live right now. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> well, I tell people they're going to get a behind-the-scenes look into people's lives. Um, it's coming real here on the lockdown. This is great, though. This has definitely been the most informal start to, to a session as yet. What? Well, can you turn your phone click sideways? Click that way. Yeah, turn it side on because then we get you full screen. Oh, your phone's is not so? playing. Your phone no, does so. not want to do it. Oh, uh, like that? Okay. Nah, 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 go back. You are pretty, though. Yeah, Tanzim, just click on that link and then just accept everything. I'm still going to have to decide if I leave all of this at the beginning of the podcast. <laughs> I think I should, really. You should, for sure. This is such a rattle already. It's this is bad. This is how they, like, hack a Zoom meeting 101. Wow. Well, like, I see... I need to see Kyle, then I need to see Joe. Okay, I mean, I'm going to get you on all things. What's up? No, you don't need to sign up. You just need to join. 
No, yeah, How I think it's Caesar, John. How's it? How's it? We just How's need. It? I'll see Jordi as soon as he. How's it, Walk? Are you, Where are, you at, are you at home? Yeah. You're at flat. Oh, lovely. How's it going? How are you, bro? I'm good, thanks, uh, Mr. Walk. Baby daddy to be. Yeah, how is uh, soon, how is life Almost in Hawaii? Yeah. yeah, it's been good. It's been pretty amazing. I've been serving quite a bit, so which has been nice. I've been doing that in a long time. Well, Travis was saying that uh, you've got the froth back. I mean, that's pretty incredible. Yeah, yeah, I have. It's nice to get in the water and feel fit surfing. It's been like years, pretty much. Yeah, I've been well, surfing you know, a bit with Jordy. Travis was here, I was surfing with him a lot, hanging out. Kiff, it's cool here. Enjoy it. Well, we were saying, you, you've got to start getting that arm strength up. Here we go, oh, Jordan in the house. How's it? Uh, I think Jordy just needs to click on the audio. It's normally bottom left. Just click on the audio, bottom left. We're giving a, our connecting audio. There we go. Cool. So here we go. Hello, Jordy. Hello. How are you? Good, thanks. Good. All right. So um, basically, lockdown. So I decided to start a new podcast. This is our first podcast with multiple people. So you guys are like breaking, breaking new ground here. And essentially, I'm almost midnight in South Africa. You guys are various stages of the morning in California and Hawaii. Of course, we're all South Africans. We're all in surfing and just chatting about the lockdown, how it's affecting people, and uh, then a couple of questions from, from the fans who have posted them all day. First of all, Jordi, uh, life in Hawaii. Sorry, I was going to say, Hawaii. I'm just trying to figure this whole thing out. No worries, bro. I figured. We're good. So, um, <laughs> basically... <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm glad we've all stopped the life. Uh, so, Jordi and Wak, first of all, I mean, you guys, I mean, you're in lockdown over there, but it's not looking like life is too bad on the North Shore, especially with the round of swell you've been having. Well, yeah, uh, well, Jordi's here, yeah, he's here on the North Shore. I'm, I'm like an hour away, but it seems like it's, I was actually talking to my, my chick anybody. It seems like it's pretty much normal. I wouldn't be changing anything different. He's surfing all day. Um, yeah, they're not. Like, they're not on a proper lockdown over there. Yeah, yeah. They're just Definitely not allowed not. to sit on the beach. You just have to keep moving, right? That's like yeah. Cool. I think that I think they lifted that ban. They did close that. They did close that ban, so you actually couldn't even be on the beach anymore. You could only surf, and then they lifted again. Now I think people can go back and walk and carry on. I think different areas of of Oahu they've had like. It's been more strict. Definitely in town, when it first hit, it was like nobody was even basically allowed to go anywhere. And then it kind of eased up a bit, especially on the North Shore. Like two weeks ago, they were finding people left and right if you were on the beach. And then in the last week, it seemed to have kind of died down. And yeah, now there was cops like four or five times a day patrolling the beach on quad bikes. But now I haven't seen them in the last week. So. There's a sick background tune going on. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> Someone said it's a fire alarm. They're like, these guys are not social distancing. No, I don't know. I don't know if it's in this house. No, no it's, it's in this house. Maybe car. 
<laughs> yeah, just throw out an accusation off the bat. I love it. <laughs> All right. So we've got uh, obviously uh, a couple of <laughs> world tour surfers. We've got Wak, who, who tried very hard out there on the QS for a long time. Yeah, I don't know why you guys want me in here. I'm not even a surfer anymore. <laughs> well, you are. You can't. Did you, you not get the memo, YT, bro? I did not. Yeah, you, you, you totally not. missed that one. You guys completely screwed me on that one. You, you shafted me. But I, I'm, wearing, I'm wearing some SA event power, so it's all good. Mm-hmm. Um, talking about the events, I mean, obviously, we were looking at a, a great year. You know, you came, you came off a couple of really good results last year, George, and you were in the hunt for the world title. This year was looking like a really good one, uh, like a venue like G-Land sort of added and you've been killing it on the back end. Travis is probably uh, kind of sad that he's left the tour and Walk probably wanted a wild card. I mean, how's it been going from looking at this killer start to the year? The waves are looking so good for the first event and then just over. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it would have been insane to get it going. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. Things just drastically took a change. Um, would have been cool to go to G-Land. But, um, yeah, I'm sure I'll get to go there at some stage. Just not right now. And then, and then, yeah, Snapper was like, I think if the event had run out of that window, it looks like car turn that thing off. <laughs> you know what I what actually is think it is? I think it is because you two are on the same video chat and you're like less uh, than a meter apart. Oh, no, no. I'll go sit outside then. I'll go sit outside. Okay. Okay. Well, um, yeah, no, what, but the, but the way George, have you never been to G Land? Oh, there's like four people at once. No, I've never been there, bro. Why am I? Uh, I mean, my first time to, to Bali was with you when we stayed uh, at yeah. Dustin Humphreys. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, all yep. talking about that. That was my first time, too. So that's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Warwick is just having a chat on the way. (laughs) Walk, why don't you stop? Keep us on, but go to Foodland, grab us some (laughs) chow. He's about to get on the deck and have a ciggy. Yeah, Uh, I just finished my ciggy. I'm gonna have a ciggy during this speech, and then I'll turn around so you guys can see the waves. Oh, thank you, thank you. So, Jordy, I mean, obviously, and Travis, I mean, I think. We're already so deep into the year. We've missed a lot of events. Uh, I mean, the South African leg is pretty much not going to happen. I don't think we're we're too close to those events now. And if you look at big events like X Games in the same date range, have all just announced that they're going to shut down. Um, is it, do you think maybe safe to say that we're looking at a no CT this year and uh, back on for a start early next year? Is that a question for me? Well, I think I think Geordie as well, and just thoughts. I mean, not so much. I mean, obviously, you, there is no call yet, but I mean, your thoughts. Yeah, I, I mean, who knows? I was telling you before, like the the news changes all the time. There's contradicting science every single day, um, and you know, we we are hard at work rejigging things as each week goes past, and we get to a point where we can't run certain events. Um, so yeah, there's been a lot of work going on in the back end while this is all going on. And it's just a, it's just a wait and see scenario. Um, I really do 
hope we managed to get some stuff done this year. But um, yeah, nothing's a guarantee and we just have to wait and see, unfortunately. I think the rest of the world's in the same sort of conundrum. George, how are you uh, sort of taking on sort of the scenario right now? I mean, obviously you, you're lucky in that you're in a place where there's good waves and there's been great swell. I mean, is, is the game plan just stay fit, surf as much as possible, and when, when the green light goes, it goes? Definitely. For me, um, my kind of duty, I think, just while my head's both, is just to try and even prepare, just, just prepare for as if it is going to run. Uh, and the same way you do it, you know, before you're paddling out for a heat, if, they, if they're going to call it off or not, you still got to continue to prepare like you're going to surf. So, um, yeah, fortunately for me, I know for a lot of other countries and stuff, they haven't been able to surf. Uh, so that will definitely play into people's, you know, how they've been trying to stay sharp and things like that for when if it, if it does kick off. Um, my personal feeling is, is, yeah, probably it won't kick off before, I don't know, maybe Tahiti. Um, that's just kind of my thoughts on it. Um, but like Trev said, things do change really quick. As fast as it's escalated up, it could also go the other way. And kind of, um, do I feel comfortable to, to like travel from destination to destination? Probably not. Um, but if they could like house us in some sort of location, and then bang out events, that would probably be my best. And I'll do that way. Why? Because there's not a, oh, a good got time the to be for sure. puffing. Hello, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Rajshad. Uh, what do you ask me? It doesn't really bother me. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> <laughs> no, but no. Uh, I think well, well, Jordy's probably in the best spot possible right now. He's like, obviously, he gets to surf every day. He's been putting the work and the time in at Pop, as you can see, like he's probably like the main standout there. So it's, it's good for him. He's obviously looking confident and he's shooting and filming every day. And so I think it would obviously, it would be great if, if, if they could somehow get events and I think he'd have a really good head start. That's obviously me being biased for him, but um, yeah, it would be, it, it would be sick, but obviously who knows with this thing? I don't, you know, I don't, you know, I'm stuck in the, here in Hawaii. I don't really pay too much attention to what's going on outside of it. Travis obviously has to because, you know, he's running events all around the world. So, you know, I don't know with, you know, safety, you know, I sit glued to something like CNN and I feel like all that news is such bullshit. Um, but, yeah, obviously it's, you know, you've got to be more safe than because something bad could happen from it. And maybe they take half the year off, maybe they take the year off. Uh, I don't know. I just think if, yeah, if they do tend to start anywhere, anytime this year. I think Jordy will have a good, he'll have a head start, if anything. Well, it's a good, it's a good point because, I mean, at least you're in the water. I mean, I, anyone who's stuck back here, I mean, as I know too well, I mean, it's been four weeks of no surf time. This, I mean, it's to really, like, push the nail in for us back home in South Africa has been the fact that we had the worst summer in years and literally the day before we kicked off lockdown, it's just been pumping. Jaba has been mm. just like absolutely epic. It's been firing up and down the coast and we all stuck at home kind of not being able to surf. So I think the, the call to be in Hawaii would have definitely been a, a really, really good call. 
what, just a question, what does stage four uh, entail? Uh, have they determined whether you're actually allowed to, to go to the beach or surf or? No, they haven't done anything yet with stage four. No, not for, uh, is it, Kai, isn't stage four like just certain, certain jobs can go to work? There's obviously a curfew after a certain time at night. You have to be back. The curfew is all the way down to level two, which is, I think, 8 p.m. till 5 a.m. Uh, level yeah. four is like a few things allowed. They're, they're busy debating on, on exercise. So whether to like be like San Diego and Oz and allow jogging, cycling, and sort of alone time exercise, whether or not surfing will even fit into that classification, who knows? I think their biggest fear right here in South Africa right now is that you know, maybe surfers will respect the social distancing thing when they go surfing just to get in the water. But if they start getting large numbers hanging out at the beaches, it becomes a problem again. So I think it's uh, obviously in South Africa, we always have these, these sort of unique scenarios. And we've got to think of the greater populace, not just like that small little focused group of surfers, because we are, we are actually in reality a really small number in South Africa. Mm. What's going uh, on in, in, um, in LA with, with, with surfing, Travis? I thought they opened up a few spots. A few spots are opening up tomorrow. I mean, Orange County's been open the whole time. Just, yeah, just San Clemente was closed and um, LA was closed. I think San Diego was closed as well. Um, <clears throat> but you could, yeah. go, you could go up north like Ventura, Santa Barbara way and surf. surf. And then I've just been surfing down in Orange County every day. But there's really like as a surfer. It's pretty much that's what you like strive for to find waves alone. Yeah, yeah. No, good Social point. Is yeah. kind of like your goal. Yeah, I mean, you definitely got more chance of contracting something at the supermarket than you do going surfing, unless you're sitting at the peak at lowers, maybe. Then you're right <laughs> on top of you trying to chew your ear off. But um, for the most part, yeah, whatever. I, I, I'm stoked to be able to surf. It's an interesting one because now if we go to sort of level four, level three, and you're allowed to surf as as allowed by government, but you're not allowed to move provincially. Uh, I saw Trevor Hansen, uh, you know, one of the Jabo uh, legends out there. He, he he was like, hey, we we might actually score some Jabo just the locals for like a month or two, no travelers. And I mean, for some areas like that, but would normally see the, the big crowds and swells, it could it's actually like be quite a, quite a cool anyway. thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. <clears throat> so, yeah, when it's crowded, I'm sure they're still getting their waves. <laughs> I heard the guys yeah. are surfing on the coast in Durban. Probably shouldn't have said that. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> Just dropped a few yes. like, well, uh, yes. yeah, no, kind of to keep knows. a secret. Yeah. I hate yeah. Ah, fuck them. <laughs> yeah, they are. Sun Coast. <laughs> so now, um, let's get to talking about you three. So three South African kids, all from Durban, grew up surfing against each other, being mates, did the QS run. Um, all three of you now sitting overseas. I mean, walk obviously, for slightly different reasons, but you're there. You, you're surfing again in Hawaii. Geordie, you, you're going for world title. Travs ended up being the tour manager, essentially. Um, 
I think a lot of people, especially if they don't grow up in South Africa on, on a on a currency like ours, really understand what it takes to get where you three are sitting right now. It, it takes a lot. It's a lot of hard work. It's a lot of money, and you know, a lot of groms back home in South Africa are thinking like, "Geez, I want to, I want to be where you three are." Like, how how do you get there? Like, what has it taken? I mean, maybe George can kick off, and we'll go George, wife, Travis. Uh, well, geez, I don't think you can just pinpoint it down into a couple of sentences, you know. I think each of us have done what we've needed to do to be able to get into the positions that we are um, in different and unique ways. Uh, um, for me, I was just led pretty much by my dad, kind of from a young age, pushing me into trying to surf the best I could and then make the most out of the opportunities that I had. Um, and then I was just fortunate enough to have like the sponsorships and the support that I needed to be able to get the places that I wanted to go. And then, um, obviously South Africa has been an incredible proving ground for all of us and for many that have become before us. But, um, I think it's just been, I was lucky enough even just to have like Wok and Trav, um, obviously doing the QS and stuff earlier days with Wok and that people to be able to look up to and then once I got to the the big leagues to have Trav and stuff as a mentor um was was massive um and yeah just to have good role models I think that was kind of to know your rights and wrongs and um yeah just uh, believe in the process I think that's kind of been it Watch the uh, chilling me. back yeah, man, it was a lot of hard work to get here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> a lot of hard work. Yeah. A lot of hard work. Impregnate, impregnate a, a woman from the US. Just, yeah, I'm just landing my ass in the butter. <laughs> no, it's... Uh, <laughs> so proud of you. So proud Thank of you. you. <laughs> Thanks, Chet. Thanks, Thanks boys. Um, yeah, no, I, to be honest, I never, like, I've been a Durban boy my whole life, so I never really wanted to leave. I've, I've always loved America, like, I've always, I, I hadn't been back to Hawaii since the last QS, and pretty much the, the last time I was here, I probably left a bad taste in my mouth. I just didn't like, really like the North Shore, just like, always bad vibes, but it's changed so much, so to be back here and to be able to surf a lot, and I, you know, when I do come, I get to spend, I go spend a few days with Travis, and then he comes over here, and then we hang. I've been spending a lot of time with Geordie, so it's always cool to have like my friends around and yeah, you know, like I don't know what my plan is from here. We we're gonna be here till the birth of our child and I'd say by the end of the year we'll probably go home for like a year or so and then we'll move with if if we ever gonna move anywhere, it's gonna be back to Hawaii, I'd say. Like where Alicia, my wife, is from, it's 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 amazing. It's like it's a really good area. It's good for it's good to have a family, it's good for kids. So yeah. I'm happy if I can work here and make some dollars, I'd be you know, stoked. And then the best, the best thing about it is I can get to see my best friends I grew up with. Travis is five hour flight away, which is, you know, I'm going to go see him on my way home. Geordie's here a lot. So yeah, it's sick. Yeah, I'm stoked. Trav? Yeah, I mean, I've never really bought too much into that, that whole we're hard done by in South Africa with the currency and all that. Yes, it, it is, it is tough, but there's a, there's opportunity and, and you know, there's been guys that have gone and, and proven that you can do it on, on way less talent than a lot of guys that haven't made it. I, I just, 
I, I guess maybe I get a bit jaded by that whole thing because I've seen so many guys with talent come out of South Africa and other countries where they kind of live off that excuse and they, they get the opportunity to finally go on the QS and they spend it just partying, raging, eating junk mm-hmm. food. Like, I guess for, for Jordi and I, when we got on the, the QS, we took it really serious. We were trying to win every single contest. There wasn't like any, it was non-negotiable. It was like, so what? We're traveling on rands and there's other kids in the US getting paid 200K and they're 13 years old and they can they surf off as good as us. But, um, you know, we, we, we didn't use those things as excuses the whole time. I, I see it sometimes with South Africans. Um, obviously, I'm not negating the fact that it is super expensive to and, and a risk to follow your dreams. But a lot of the times, these surfers don't take the opportunities. And it's some of them behave like that and they, they get some success, but it's just not sustainable over a whole year. The QS is like a marathon and you just have to keep going and sustaining your pace and your intensity. Um, but if you have this, like, if you're not focused and you're just trying to jaw and carry on, you, you'd end up burning out somewhere along the line. Um, and like, like for Wok, who had mad talent coming on too, I, I think he won't mind me saying that he wasn't one of those kids who went on there and it was just like all or nothing. I have to win events to get on the, get on the yeah. CT. He was like, he just, he just didn't have that, like, stuck uh, one track mind that we kind of had. But I bet he had a Definitely. lot more fun. He, I bet he had a lot more fun on the t- oh, on, on the tour I on the tour than we did, time. and and he managed to have some mad success. I'll never forget when he won in yeah. Fernando de Noronha. That was probably that year was the year I qualified. We traveled together, and that was probably the most focused I've ever been in my life. Because I was like, in my last year, my my contract with my sponsors, I was like, I'm qualifying this year, or I'm done. And I went into that year, I'd come off like two months of training, visualizing like 10 times a day, doing yoga, eating healthy, Warwick smoking ciggies in between heats, <laughs> drinking every night. He knocks me out in the semis at Fernando de Noronha and then wins the event. And I was just sitting there, obviously the happiest ever, like my best mate just won a, a huge QS. But um, it, actually, it actually just got me even more amped for the rest of the year and we traveled together. I ended up qualifying that year. It was so fun, but mm. it just, it just shows the different approaches you can have. Like that's what I love about Walk's whole thing. When he looks back at his career, he doesn't, he doesn't have this crap and all these excuses. He's like, mm. it, it, it is what it is. And, and he probably could have put in more work and, and done better. Well, he definitely could have put more, more work and he would have done better, but um, I don't think he would change that. And, and I, I think a lot of South Africans just, they, they live on that excuse a little bit too much. Mm. Yeah, I agree. I think if anything, that, that mindset of thinking that we're really up against it with the currency thing, when people think like that, I think that should motivate you more because 100%. your money should, should, should make you feel like I've really got to make this money count. Well, um, and, yeah. and it's not just going to be like another, you know, five grand US. It's, it's like a lot of South African rand. There's, there's really no excuse. Like if you look at all the Brazilian kids coming up, they're coming out of the same, the same boat. Yeah. If not they, worse, they, most likely yeah, worse. Most likely worse most of the time. Yeah. And, they, and, they, and they pull it off time and time again. So in the end, it's all, it's all up here. It's all how intense you are and, and how much you're willing to sacrifice to get to that get to that end goal and if you don't you just have to be fine with it don't sit back and say all these things went against me and this and that like 
um, at the end of the day, you could probably go back and if you'd put in a little bit more effort and stop focusing on the excuses, you, you probably would have got to where you wanted to go. Yeah. Well, that's a fantastic feedback for the lighties out there because I think, mm. uh, you know, you guys are, are the guys who, who know the score, especially in recent times, you know. Um, we've we've chatted to, to people like uh, Paul Canning and, and Greg Emsley. They were kind of that little generation just ahead of you guys. And I think the tour has changed a lot since then as well, you know. And if you just look at the number of uh, annual entries and the QS numbers that you would know well, Trav, like you're not up against like a couple of hundred guys anymore. You're up against a couple of thousand guys to try and get 22 spots on, on a championship tour. It, it's not just going to come to you. And I mean, it's obviously great. We saw Manny McGillivray, he, he's busting into a rookie year this year. And uh, we've got a couple of other young South Africans that have been doing pretty well out on the QS. And, and I'd say it's probably safe to say we've got our, our biggest sort of numbers of solid contingent again in quite a long time. It's um, It's been like a lot of positivity around South African surfing. And Geordie, I mean, you've been on the North Shore over the season, the Triple Crown. There was a lot of talk about the South African camp and some of these youngsters coming to the ranks. They seem to always do pretty well in Hawaii. I think um, a lot of the waves, I mean, not maybe at pop, but a lot of the other waves, Haleiwa and Sunset, are very similar to waves that right point, big open face right points. And a, a lot of South Africans grow up doing that. You know, um, it's a different story when when it comes to lefts um, and especially hollow lefts. Uh, speaking for myself, that's been like my Achilles heel. You know, that's been like one of the the things that I've had to work on most. Um, but yeah, the South Africans, they seem to in the past done pretty well here. Mm-hmm. They've just got to take that same mentality throughout the rest of the year. And Trav, I mean, being a goofy footer, you grew up pretty much, you know, like destroying things on the backhand. Uh, I know Badger put up uh, your SA Champs triumph at J-Bay the other day, yeah. back in the day, looking yeah. back. Um, it must have been quite nice to actually get out of South Africa and go compete in some lefts. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it definitely um, took a while for me to get confident competing in, in lefts. Um, and that was more not, not even from like my own experience, just from people telling me that the whole time that I need to work on my forehand, even though they never really got, me to, got to see me surf on my forehand. They're <laughs> like, you just need to work on it. Even though like mm. in, in, Dur- in Durban specifically and all, all around South Africa, 90 90, like almost 100% of the events you're surfing a, a right rip bowl or a right point break or something, which is fine. But yeah, when I when I got onto the CT, it was a, uh, it especially I never forget that my first that that little leg of Tahiti cloud break and uh, looking at the forecast, um, I was I was super nervous because I'd never really even surfed waves like that before. I'd done a trip to Indo, one trip to Indo where it was like four to six foot a couple of days, but I knew I was going to be surfing like really solid left barrels, um, cloud break, you have to do turns too. And I'd been on the world stage. So I was, I was super nervous, but I, I was lucky. I got, did pretty well on both. And um, then, hold on, sorry. And then, um, yeah, I, I, I did, I always tried my best to, to um, work on my weaknesses. And uh, I, I think unfortunately, having such a like a strong back end it always kind of just shed a light on on my forehand so um 
but yeah, as my career went on, and I think even now, I, th- I think now I surf better on my forehand than I do on my backhand. It's weird, but it's 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 a work in progress, and I still like working on it to this day. Well, and it's interesting because I mean, George, you you said it was your Achilles' heel, but if we if we look at the move to to surfing pipeline on the regular, uh, Chopu, you've had some fantastic results in the last two. Um, and we were just saying before before what came into the conversation earlier. I mean, you, you must have been looking forward to G-Land on your current form on your back end. I mean, you've been doing some donkey, you've done Chopu and, and those spots, and you've been hitting pipe a lot. So, I mean, G-Land probably would have been a, a pretty good card for you. Yeah, I would definitely would have loved the opportunity to surf there, for sure. Um, and, and when we say it's like our, our Achilles heel or it's our weaker point, we don't necessarily mean that it's like it's terrible and it's bad. You've just got to, people have to just remember that we're surfing against the very best fucking people in the world, you know, mm. and, and you're surfing <clears throat> against them at their probably strong points, guys like John John and, you know, Medina and these, and, and those are the types. So it's not bad. It's just, you've mm. got to be able to compete with the very best in the world at that level going that direction. So that's what I mean, you know, to be able to get a barrel and get blown out and stuff, that's, that's all good and well, but you've really got to be able to like maximize what you're doing um, when you're surfing against the top guys, you know? So um, I think that's where people, a lot of people get kind of, um, they don't really understand is like Trav said, Trav's, ba- Trav's backhand was so furious that it, it, it made anybody's forehand look, look bad. You know, whether it was his or, or not. But, um, you know, so that's, it's like my front side is obviously a, a strength. But um, to be able to compare the, the two, they're, they're two completely different things, um, at least in my mind. Mark, you, you used to like your backhand a lot. <laughs> yeah, I don't like your lift. I don't want to go left ever. Uh, I'll never forget we were at a QS. <laughs> we were at a QS in Newcastle. Oh, I remember that one. And it was oh the God. most pumping lefts, just roping down this like beach break, just <laughs> roping lefts. It was as fun as I've ever seen Newcastle. And Wok paddles out, and paddles. He sits on the point and only goes right, the entire <laughs> event. But smash those. He was just doing two huge belters. And I was doing like six turns on these long legs, six to eight turns on these long legs. And Warwick went right the entire event. I, yeah. He did really well. I'll say you've been, you been close out. Yeah, I know. But that's what I, that's what I was meaning earlier. Like, I think obviously Jordy knows that he needs to, for him to like put a whole year together like perfectly, he needs to put his time in, which he has been doing over the years. But like, fuck now. Nah over the last month, just since I've been here, from what I've seen and from what I've heard, from not even, not even from the pictures I see or the video I see of them, like literally everyone, like all the people that I've made friends with here, like they're like, Jordy's like the number one standout. Like, I don't really, like, you get like Kyle Rothman then, but like, he obviously he gets his waves now. It, it takes long to, you know, just, does, just because he's on the seat, he doesn't mean he can just pal out to pop and just take whatever he wants, but he's, he's out there every day. He's grinding every day out there, spending six, seven hours in the water out there every day. He gets his waves, he gets his respect, and then you can see he gets his, you know, he's getting the best waves. But he's definitely like probably the top three people in the water at, at Papna. And that's what he needed. Yeah, oh, you can see okay. it in the results. Like, yeah, 100%. The results at Pop and Chope's last couple of years, that, that whole yeah. works paying off. 
Well, it's definitely paying off. And I mean, George, if you, you know, it's been an interesting year or two for you because, I mean, you've gone on quite a big health kick the last two years. Uh, you took a big break from from drinking, and I understand that doing a year off two years ago. And it's quite incredible to to see the focus almost that you can get and, and how your sort of perceptions of things change. And it was immediate to me anyway to see how your competitive surfing just started really accelerating <clears throat> at that point as well because the results started coming and uh, I mean you are literally back in the hunt I mean you've been you you were thick in the fight last year and I think most people would be putting money on the fact that you you're going to be up in the hunt this year when we get going yeah thanks um yeah I think for me just um trying to I mean when you work on your surfing like when I think at least working, trying to work on my surfing, if I'm working on my rights and stuff, the percentages are probably not going to get too much higher. Like I'm max probably got another two or two or three percent, which takes a lot of time and a lot of work. Um, on the lefts and stuff, <coughs> me, it's probably like 30% gain, which mm. I can get a lot of bit, a, a lot better. Um, and then like, like, taking off all those boxes, whether it's not drinking, uh, fixing your diet, the training, everything like that, those percentages end up being a lot higher. So on an overall year, if you can make 20% better than what you were the year before, that's massive, you know, and that hopefully is the difference between like last year, getting those seconds to getting the wins and then really just being a front runner in the title. Um, I think if you look back at like the number of heats one, um, before pop, I think it was like 25, 26 or 25, 27 heat wins or something weird like that, where the difference isn't really that big, you know, um, with Gabrielle and Italy, obviously making the final it went to probably eight or 10 heats difference. But, uh, before that moment, um, it's really only a couple of heats difference. So, um, yeah. Yeah. So the more you can do to, to mitigate all those little variables that could have even like a 0.5, five yeah. percent difference if uh and then like you already said you got to balance that to how much work it's going to take to to mitigate it is it worth spending that time on so it's it, it's such a good point because you have to be very conscious of where you focus your energy and your time and how much reward you're going to get out of that um but yeah every every percentage point counts especially in surfing where there's so much there's, there's so much very it's so variable that you got you're dealing with tides winds the ocean mm -hmm. behaving weirdly like best laid plans just go out the window. So, um, you know, if, if you, you just want to mitigate all those little variables and, and put yourself in the best possible position to win those heats. Mm -hmm. Now, um, just before I go to the questions from the fans, uh, another uh, podcast I've got lined up at some point this week is I'll have two of the rookies, Jack Robbo and Matt McGillivray on the, the podcast. Any ad, uh, any advice for for the two going into their their rookie year on the CT? <clears throat> Nothing from me. I don't want to give any advice. I'm, I'm going to beat them. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, was honestly um, spoken. <laughs> I'd say, I'd say just obviously you got to you got to come on there with the which I didn't my first my first year on tour. I came on there like kind of cocky like. I want to prove myself because no one really knew who I was. I just, this is kind of like a South African kid. I was never in the magazines or anything. 
So I had a chip on my shoulder, but I wasn't there like, I'm going to win everything. Um, I think you, like Jordy came on with that. He's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fucking win every single event. I don't give a shit. Um, and then he started winning everything. Um, so um, I, I'd say have, you have to have that mindset because you, you start, if you, if you say it enough, then you start believing it. And if you believe it, you'll put in the work to get there. Because um, if you don't really believe it, you're going to start cutting corners. And then, then the other big part of it, which is what I let myself down and probably the, to the back, towards the back end, end of my career is, is to not, do not let yourself get too down on the losses and focused on judges and things not going your way. No matter what, you just have to be like a, a wall, like whatever hits you just has to bounce off and just maintain the intensity and the focus. And eventually it'll turn and, and that result will come and that string of results will come to, to make things turn around. Um, yeah, I, I definitely towards the back end, I got super focused on getting, I was so in my head about the judging and, and just having bad luck and not getting good waves. And, um, which is a big, big reason why I, I decided to throw in the towel eventually in the end, cause it just not, it didn't get fun anymore, but those are my, my two little bits of advice. Not advice. All right. So we'll go to some questions from the fans and I remind you, gents, that these are literally the questions I got sent by people, and I will tell you who they're from. Uh, Gemma, Gemma Hannafay on Instagram. After this pandemic, can Jordy please come visit and surf Jaiba? Can I, can I or will I? <laughs> I think maybe both. <laughs> Definitely uh, both, yeah. I want to go surf Jaiba for sure. Um, after everything gets kind of sorted out all right then uh, max alkinton on instagram what happened to walk ct run he has such a savage backhand <laughs> my ct run i was never in the ct <laughs> what about your wild oh, card in jbay no yeah i had a few wild cards at jbay he actually gave me my yeah. first wild card what did I hear? I remember that actually. Yeah. He went left at J Bay the morning before or the yeah. afternoon before and you jumped over the back and landed on, oh, a, I remember. Piece on, of on a muscle bed. No, I landed on a muscle bed. Open. Yeah, I know. How's that for the irony? I don't go left. The one time I fucking go left is at J Bay. <sighs> the O's, the O's on, the, on the QS still talk about Wok's backhand, bro. It's no, the, no, thing bro. Legend, I know. The thing of legends. Ask to, <laughs> Tommy Witt. I always, I, always, I always tell Tommy Witt. I always, I always rip into him about that one. He did Jamie. I fucking gave him. You'll never let that one go. I remember that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, All right. Another question from Dean Vincent for Wok. Who is the number one lady in Wok's life, his mom or his wife? Oh, you can't ask that. I've got, oh, I must have, I must have three scary. women in my life. My daughter, my, my wife, and my mother. I can't, I can't do that. Shut up, Dina. That's a stupid question. Who gets the next cat? <laughs> Who gets the next? Uh, my daughter, for sure. <laughs> All right. Well, here's Dean Vincent's second question. This one is, is Travis's real name Trent? No. That's my nickname. <laughs> <laughs> Depends who you ask, but... It's, it's in Durban, um, I go by Trent. I've actually way. got a question for Trav. Yeah. Of, of your two brothers, who pushed you the most uh, growing up? That's a good that's one. A, that's a good question because 
both in a way, and I'll tell you why. Because growing up, like all I all I can remember from my early days as a kid, like because my memory is pretty shocking from when I'm going back to like preschool and primary school and stuff, is traveling around the country watching Ryan winning uh, swimming races. He was like a mm. world class swimmer. It was crazy. He's like swimming against these kids who were when he was like 14, 15, who were already like six two, six three, six four, and he was mm. like five five and just smashing them. So I, I spent my whole childhood going around and watching this and seeing how much work he put in. Um, he used to he used to train for eight hours almost every single day, which is weird for a 14, 15 year old kid to have that kind of dedication. Yeah. And uh, he's always been like Dana and I both say Ryan's always been like our moral compass. You know, he's super about what's wrong and what's right, being healthy. Um, so he's had a profound effect on on just not in and out the water for me. And he started and like he was my hero growing up, so he started surfing. So then I started surfing. But then mm. Dane, when we started, we both started surfing. I still to this day say that Dane was way better than I was. Um, way better than I was. Like, if the judging had evolved faster, I think Dane would have ended up being on the CT. Like, in our generation coming up, Dane was the first kid doing airs. He was the one taking off on, on waves doing three huge turns, whereas me, like mm -hmm. Simon and Dave, were doing eight little whippersnappers and foam climbing to the beach. And we, yeah, were getting, true. we were getting three eights in heat, whereas Dane would take off and do a huge carve, like a, a straight air and a layback, and he'd get a six. Yeah. And uh, it was just crazy how much better he was than everybody. But it, it, just, it was just the wrong timing, and uh, he just mm -hmm. didn't have the mindset for, for competing. He would just, if he lost a heat, he would melt down for months. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's probably actually a good thing he didn't have being a pro surfer. He'd be a head case. <laughs> but, um, He's a full uh, so. I was always just trying to be as good as Dane at surfing. And then it's trying to be like my older brother, like try to be like the man he was. So they both had crazy profound effects on, on us. On, on my yeah. All right. So Scotty Turnbull for Geordie, if G-Land was still running, how many times do you think Gally Chris Gallagher would have shown you the tape of his 97 final? <laughs> Uh, probably once. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Did he make the final there? Footage was too good back then. Who was um, he in the final with? Luke Egan. Yeah, that would uh, be okay, Luke one. Yeah. I forget yeah, the Gallagher's actually on that show. Yeah. Just pumping that year, right? Yeah. yeah, that was a good year. Um, Troy Wells or Swak, did you teach those ducks to walk just like him? It's uncanny. Dude, how classic are my ducks? I fucking love those things. I swear to God, I started feeding them. I started feeding those things like a week ago. It's taken me forever. They, every time I used to go out to the back garden, they wouldn't like, they wouldn't come near me. I slowly got them to feed. Now they eat out of my hand. Now they follow me. They're like, they're like my kids. But my wife's mom's everything because they shit everywhere. So now we're going to get rid of them. I got a question actually maybe. for Wok, maybe. Okay. Yeah. What was it? Who do you think was like your biggest, what was your, who was your biggest rivals kind of growing up? Um, in Durban, um, within your age group, I know there was a lot. Whether it was like yeah. Matthew Kruger, Matthew, yeah, I had Matthew Kruger oh, for Kruger. one year. Was my was my was my rival, and then obviously Ricky. Ricky was my. I think Ricky. I don't think I would have ever really gone on tour or did as good as I did in the events that I did well, and until because of Ricky, because Ricky was so much fucking better than I was. 
he was so ridiculously talented and I hated it about him. But I always somehow had his number. I always somehow beat him because I just wanted to beat him that bad. It was like, I even remember when I did start the queue. So as long as I was like finishing ahead of Ricky in any event, it was a win for me. So that was like, I used to set these like marks, you know, and then, and then one day he just turned it on and it was like, he could not be beaten by like anyone. Like to me, Ricky's like, you know, I think, you know, his talent's like right up there with Geordie's. He's like one of the world's best surfers, which is yeah, sure. sad because it's a bit of a waste, you know, and like I can look back at it now and go like, fuck, he was, yeah, he, he was amazing. Yeah, he was, he was amazing. He really talent. was. He really was. Like, like I don't know, it's, yeah, it irritates me. Like I look at him and even I see footage of him today, I'm like, I irritate him. I'm like, fuck, you know, you should have yeah. If he had a different mindset or, or work ethic, he would have had an amazing career. Hundred percent, yeah, hundred percent. And then one, even for for in between you guys, you and Trav and and Walk, having Michael there, uh, obviously yeah. you guys all pretty much lived in the same building. I think at yeah. some stage, right? Yeah, we did. Um, MB was another one. MB was ridiculously stories. talented, eh? And that was what I was going to say. I thought he was as the the kind of generation before. Ricky, that was kind of into the whole tricks and the shorter yeah. boards. Oh, my first day, my first day surfing ever, Michael did an air in front of me. He was like, <laughs> I, I started surfing when I was 11. So he, Michael would have been what, what, what? He would have been like seven. Michael, yeah, yeah. Michael's a year and a half older than, yeah. Michael's a year and a half older than me, two years older than me. So what, he's like yeah. two years younger than you. Yeah, so he would have been nine and he did, I was paddling out for my very first surf ever he did an air in front of me and i was i was paddling for a while couldn't get out to the back and he turned around to me and goes i'm half your age and you can't even get out here Sweetie <laughs> god that's, yes. that is that's my the first best. interaction with michael varicus that is the is, best <laughs> I actually walked in the very next day i met warwick for the first time and he came up to me i was hanging on the addington bank there and I was eating wine gums. I had a little roll of wine gums. And he just, he just, this guy just strolls up to me. I've never met him before and asked me for a wine gum. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, sweet. Yeah, I'll take a wine gum. He's like, cheers. Walk, walks away. And then he walks back like 15 minutes later. He goes, do you want to stay at my house tonight? We'll go surf in the morning. <laughs> so I was like, hey, I'll go ask my dad. What's that? That's how we all met each other. I was like, I'll go ask my dad. And my dad's like, Sweet, yeah, go stay with the sketchy own Eddington. Stayed <laughs> 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 the night, and then next morning we went surfing. And um, the next day after the surf, Vox got a roll of wine gums. I told him, Hey, how's a wine gum? <laughs> he just, you know, because <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't, I'm not even kidding you. Me. I don't want people to come meet between, between me and my sweets, bro. You know that. I think I got Dane. I think Dane stayed that night too. And I think my mother obviously bought us a whole bunch of junk food for the night. And I think he vomited all night because he's never <laughs> eaten sweets for dinner. Yeah, at the right household, your, your, yeah. your main course is a Swiss roll and then for dessert. <laughs> <laughs> for dessert, you have a donut and a ciggy. And you go <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck uh, you know, that was funny yeah. we had Jordy Jordy used to stay with us Jordy you see Jordy was like three four years younger than me so he always used to stay but he was the young he was that young person to us I was that I was like that to Travis and him exactly. and you know, he obviously you know, there. we used to watch scary movies yeah Basically we used to watch Exodus and freak us the fuck out people come fucking knocking on the doors 
<laughs> we would be trying to hit them with oh. fucking pins and all sorts of shit. Because <laughs> the amount of eggs and shit we threw out of those buildings, my God, bro. Eggs. I, I, once I just throwing fucking butternuts, bro. All ones. Just shoot inside pits. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're definitely getting some info here that we haven't had on a podcast before. A um, couple more questions uh, before we finish off, lads. Uh, Jordy Dutchie says, G-Land was on the schedule a few years before, blah, blah, blah. She says, have you been to G-Land and how does one prepare for a new venue? No, I've never been there. Um, <laughs> I was going to go there a week early. Um, and post up there for a week before the event. Um, All right. Yeah, that was kind of what I was going to do, pretty much. <laughs> Some time in the water, makes sense. And then Travis Dutchie Ooh. says, you were such a good surfing career being a savvy competitor. Why could you never translate that into your PlayStation Tiger Woods game? <laughs> <laughs> well, you should see me now on my Call of Duty. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I think they, those guys never really taught me how to play. They just liked watching me struggle on that thing. They didn't I remember that. Yeah. Mm. I will say, Trav's been an avid gamer for a while. Because when I, when I was living in Durban and he used to have the place, we used to go over there and I used to try and play soccer against him. And I, I don't have patience for that, for those games. Nah. And Trav would just dominate me basically <laughs> every time and be like, I'm like, okay, you want to go surf? No, no, one more game, one more game. <laughs> <laughs> so the contest is not just in the water. Okay, uh, let's go for our second last question. Warwick Heaney from Port Alfred. For Wok, what do you do for Crown these days? Do you still surf? Are you staying with Geordie in Hawaii? And is pipe really that heavy? Jeez, that's a lot of questions. Um, I'm an interior designer now, bro. One of the best, one of the big boys. Um, no, yeah, I just, yeah, I still, I work. I haven't been paid by serving for a very, very long time. Not since Billabong left me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Billabong dropped me. And yeah, now I'm not saying at Jory's, I come and spend the day here with him and go serve. But when he goes to serve Papa, then I don't go get involved there, bro. It's like 100 people out. I know I'm just going to be sitting on the shoulder and picking off scraps. So. I've just been serving Haliva, Rockies, Rockies. He comes to surf by me sometimes. And yeah, so my wife, she lives on the east side of the island, a place called Kailua. Super beautiful. And yeah, we, we come through like three, four times a week to surf and cruise. Yep. Doesn't sound like a bad life at all. So the boys yeah, all good. cruising over there, all doing mm. well. Um, mm. Let's finish off with Colin Raymond Fitch, our esteemed mm. WSL Africa boss. Travis, did you ever imagine you would have? Be, uh, would be making decisions that affect the course of global surfing. Yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> nah, um, <laughs> um, no, but uh, you know what? When I was on tour, like when I was, I was on the CT for the best part of a decade and I was a surfer's rep for most of that time. So I was just trying to do my, my part um, and represent the surfers when decisions were made. And made a lot of decisions that kind of went against my own good. Uh, and made, actually changed a rule that voted that got ended up knocking myself off tour. But um, so I've always been passionate about the sport and always wanted to see the best for surfing. And uh, it wasn't in my plans to end up being here and working for WSL. It just happened organically through the last my last year on tour. 
um, the CEO at the time actually offered me the job. He didn't know I was planning on retiring already. It was just like good timing and it was a perfect transition. So um, yeah, but I definitely feel the weight of the responsibility and understand that it's, it's, um, it's impossible to make everybody happy when you're talking about such a global membership of thousands of people and hundreds of events. But uh, we, you can rest assured that we, we work every day to do our best to, to make everything right for, for the surfers and the fans. Well, I've, I've definitely on Belito mornings been down for the, the look-see and seen you chewing your nails and kind of deliberating because it is. I must feel like there's a, a whole lot of sort of pressure on your shoulders to make the right call, especially, I suppose, when you're at a spot that's not predominantly sort of like a perfect wave. It can change quite a lot over the day and the tides. Yeah, making the calls <laughs> is such a tough thing. I. It's it's a specifically tough for me because I'm I'm a bit of a perfectionist and I just hate letting people down and I hate making bad calls. Like other people who do it and it's the right way to be, they they kind of accept if they make a bad call because the ocean just has a funny way of, of making you look like a fool. And um, you know you you have people around you telling you it's definitely going to do this and this habit is going to be sick and blah 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 and then you go along with what they say and then um, everything changes and they're like you hear them saying to someone else, "Oh, I told them this morning that." They should. Yeah. <laughs> so um it's it's tough it's it's yeah it's definitely because it's not an exact science you, you're pretty much looking at like a crystal ball and making educated guesses but for the most part i think we've done an okay an okay job and uh no, no matter what you do though the ocean just has a funny way of of making you look like a fool man and it's i'm as i'm as i'm doing more events and getting older i'm, I'm being able to accept that a little bit more. All right. And then Fitchy asks, Jordy, you have equaled Sean Thompson's record of 14 years on the championship tour in 2020. Sean has left a legacy and putting back into surfing what he has got out. What role do you see yourself in in 20 years' time? Hopefully out of this pandemic. <laughs> um, I mean, for me, I just wanted to be able to inspire people i think that's pretty much it really and give back as much knowledge once i've kicked out of it um at least on the competitive side uh, i can't see that happening for another seven years so yeah i think um just to constantly be giving back to south african surfing as much as i can and yeah i mean raising a family at that point i'm i'm guessing um and just getting to share my love for surfing with everybody else around the world well that's and it's interesting because we look at your sort of progression as of just athletes i mean you you've started smith surfboards now with with the old man and i mean as a brand uh the boards seem to to really be gaining traction super fast um seeing a lot of stuff happening here back in South Africa with the boards. And I mean, do you see yourself maybe getting into a couple more sort of aspects of, of the industry as well? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think surfing for all of us has just been the key. That's just kind of being the tool to pretty much just, to, I guess, to try and become the best person you can and to kind of go down as many avenues. Um, there's still a lot for me to learn. Um, and all types of other different businesses. And um, I think that's the exciting part to be able to learn about not only just 
competing and the competitive side of things, but uh, whether it's the brands, um, uh, starting a brand, running a brand, um, and just uh, the reason I've chose surfboards is obviously uh, there's a lot of history there for me, um, and it's something that I, I'm passionate about and I, lo- I know a lot about. Um, they aren't just they're, they're constantly evolving. They're not just like skateboard decks where you can kind of just plug and play. Uh, each person's kind of experience of surfing is based upon what the shaper makes for them. So uh, just to try better people's uh, experiences in the ocean uh, and make sure it's all fun. Well, I'll say thanks at this point because my, my two are going really good. So <laughs> thanks a lot. G-Force has uh, been on fire. This and then, uh, speak to the Ford. The force loves. I'm always speaking to the force on the on DMs. He's a killer. We have got to get G Force on the next one of these. The new is his stories, bro. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll put it together. We'll put it together. And then, what? Lastly, um, Colin asked this question, but there were at least four or five other people asking this question. And knowing your mom, I know she'll have a chuckle at this. It's, mm. He says, "What? At what age would you expect your own child to leave home?" Oh my God! I know. I hope she's nothing like me because I get full separation anxiety from my mother. <laughs> but um, oh, who knows, dude? I'm just trying to have this baby. Just, we well, just, I mean, we got seven Yeah, just fuck it up. There's many, well, there's mean, many hurdles I got to get over. The, you know, the my biggest, the, the scariest thing right now is, is to have her. Make sure she's, you know, hopefully she's, uh, everything goes well with that. She's and. Um, the second thing is by the age by the age of like 13, 14, it's gonna fuck him up like a heart attack. I'm gonna have to keep her cooped up in a house in Hawaii for rest, until she's like fifty. Because <laughs> I'm not bringing her back to South Africa or taking her to some crazy city with the shit that I seen with these young girls. Fuck that. Well, I mean, it's an interesting one because we talk Damage. about your mom. We talk about your mom and you staying with her for so long. But I mean, Anne has been, I mean, a big influence in both Trav and Jordy's lives. I think. For myself, working in, in competitive surfing in South Africa for years, mm-hmm. you know, as a contest director, as a friend, as a mentor, mm-hmm. um, she's she's had such a big part of of all of our lives in, in surfing in South Africa. Yeah, yeah, she loves it. Eh? She's you know, still, I, you know, I when I quit fucking surfing like professional surfing twelve years ago, and she's still like she still has so much love for it. She's built her way up now. She's on like the board of South African surfing. She contest directs. A lot of events. She she works with Travis, I guess, when when during the the QSs and stuff. So she's super like into it still. Even in the longboarding, that she like she still got a huge passion for it. And yeah, it's like I'm stoked for it. It's it's she she's happy with it. I'm you know for me it's I just went a total different path. But she loves you know even when I I go surfing, she comes out to the beach with me. She's like she frosts on on me going for a surf, and she comes and watches. Like she just really has loved it. So it's it's cool. Yeah. Well, I must admit, I'm going to miss uh, her showing me WhatsApp messages from you demanding food deliveries. Oh, God, it's funny. Yeah, I'll send you the same videos. It'll just be from a different woman. <laughs> what, are, what, what, are, um, what are Anne's tanning stats like these days? How many hours are you spending in a day? Well, well, I figured out. I spoke, to my, I spoke to my uncle. He reckons on that outside bulking that she has, she, re, she gets about an hour, an hour and a half of Sunday. So she's got a... She's got a dollar right there from about nine to ten thirty. Then she's moving out. She'll then she'll go chase the sun somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> All right, James. She's well, having a meltdown, boys. Hey, Kat, a meltdown I've got a question, Kat. Cool. Who's yeah. who's 
who you obviously a commentator a lot of events a lot of junior events and stuff like that um who do you see with some really like some promising talent uh a bright future kind of under probably i would say 13 under 14 um just well, like, i've been are, are they like i obviously know of the 15 16 year olds but just a little younger than that um, I would say, look, I, I'm, I've been staying in Cape St. Francis again for the last while. Um, and they're two, the two Dace boys, Joel and Rory, I see them surf a lot. And they've got like a really good sort of power base of surfing. Uh, little kid Nate there as well has been tearing it up. And then um, like a little surprise in Durban, like that little kid is just killing it on the backhand. He's like a little mini Trav. He's he's absolutely destroying it. How old is Surprise? Um, I think Surprise is about 14 now, 13, 14. So he's moving up in, into sort of the bigger age groups. He, he's quite a short little guy, but um, he's really got a little power game going on his backhand. It's pretty phenomenal. Um, you know, you've got Luke Thompson out of Durban. I mean, it's hard not to talk about him. He, you know, he's winning under 18s and under 20s, but I mean, he's still only 14. So, you know, it's pretty incredible to see a guy, a kid at his age, winning through like three different age groups. And he's, he's had some pretty solid results in some of the open events even. So he's certainly one to keep an eye on. And then um, little Connor Slappen out of Cape Town. Uh, Jake the Snakes kid out of Cormacy, uh, he's he's definitely a, a little ripper as well, Levi. Um, so there's there's quite a couple, and it's quite nice to cool. see the the level at like under 12 at SA Junior Champs last year. The under 12 final was like one the semis finals were like three of my best heats to call on the mic because the little tens and elevens are just really going for it, especially at the point where they've got like a, a nice canvas for them, you know. So I, yeah. I think we've got a really, really strong group of, of under 12s, under 13 sort of age group right now. And it's going to be interesting to see if there's a, a couple of newer ones stepping into those roles this year. I mean, for me, the junior events are still my favorite. I, I, I love hanging out with the Groms and just the energy. And mm. I mean, when I started doing the Pro Juniors, Walk was actually my, my partner on the mic when he, when he decided to wake mm. up. Mm -hmm. I remember that, yeah. Billabong putting me to work, heavy. <laughs> God forbid you're so, not to work. <laughs> oh, my God. All right, I need to go for a serve. Yeah, you guys need to go okay, for a serve. Okay, <laughs> Thanks so much for being on the podcast. Trav, any last words uh, for, for people in lockdown? Um, don't panic. I, I truly believe that it's... Um, it's not as bad as everyone thinks it is. Walk, any last words of advice? No, not much. Good to see everybody. It's like, yeah, nice to chat to you, everyone. Trev, good. Yeah. But thanks yeah, for being here. Car, good to see you guys. Long overdue, and I'll stoke you yeah. down. Yeah, oh, for sure. I'll stoke you guys too. And then no, last time on a boat trip. <laughs> you, we need to. That would be amazing. We need to. Oh, I want to get a macaroni. Let's get a macaroni. That'd be a sick trip. Yeah. Well, what wants to go left? <laughs> now I want to go left, yeah. 
if you guys put together a boat trip and I crack the note, I'm there for sure. Thanks so much for being on the podcast. It's been great seeing you guys. And uh, we hope when things do get going again that we see uh, Trav having success as the commissioner. And Jordi, of course, as always, we're all in your corner, bro. We want to see you get that world title. Thanks. 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 Thanks.